Hi, I'm Sanaya Beckles-Canton. And I'm Anna Minsky. And this is Wake Up To What Matters from New York City. Good evening, everyone. We are here back on Wake Up To What Matters. Me, Dr. Sanaya Beckles-Canton and Anna Minsky. Anna, how are you doing today? Good, I guess. How are you, Sanaya? <laughs> I could be better, but a lot has gone on since we last talked. Um, several letters came out about going against mayoral control, um, their lawsuits for SLTs. We have all these great things that are happening. Parents are up fighting, advocating the reopening. Kids have went back to school. Um, and there's a, still a lot of concerns about safety, health, and issues. And so tonight, we thought it was important to kind of bring some guests in to talk about the importance of parent voice, parent power, and how they exist within the system. And so as, as we get into a further conversation, Anna's going to introduce our guest shortly, but I wanted to just kind of go over some of the school governance bodies that we'll be talking about tonight that you'll hear a little bit about, and we'll get more in details. One um, being the panel for education. You will also hear us refer to it as the PEP. Um, and they are a group of appointed members, eight appointed by the mayor, five appointed by borough presidents. Um, and recently we have a actual appointed uh, member that is appointed by the actual CEC presidents. Um, Another structure we will talk about is Community Education Council, CECs, which is also a community um, district at the community district level, and they are also elected by PTAs, and on each of them there are 11 seats. Two seats are given by each borough president in each borough um, for each district. And SLTs, SLTs is really at the bottom well, they're not at the bottom. They're, they're the group that is directly in the schools, working with principals, teachers, um, and school personnel around the day-to-day -day functions, the operating things that go on in the school. Um, and they are comprised of parents, teachers, the principal, PTA presidents. Um, and I'm not sure of members of the community, but tonight, the, our guests will actually clarify that for us. Um, and then we have the PTA structures, most of us know about that, um, which are the elected parents of that particular school a child attends, and they, they function also to support the school at the local level. And so tonight we'll be getting into these different uh, bodies within the public education system that are supposed to be there for parents to have power and empower their uh, school communities and make decisions about their children's education. But as we know, um, those structures are deteriorating in, in our communities and there is so much problems with them that parents are now standing up fighting back in different ways. And we'll talk more about that tonight. So Anna, would you like to introduce our guests? Yeah, we have two wonderful guests with us here this evening who have a lot of experience in the systems and bureaucracies of the ways that parents are supposed to be executing power in our system. Um, and I'm really excited to hear from both of them. The fir our first guest is Cherie Gibson. Uh, she's a parent volunteer with a long history working with youth in education policy. I'm going to tell you 
all of the different parent groups that she's a part of as slowly as I can. Um, she's also Great. a consultant. <laughs> uh, so she was the founding president of the PS360 Queens Parent Teacher Association, the president of the District 29 Presidents Council in Queens, a member and co-chair of the 2018-19 CPAC, and a New York City representative of the New York State Education Department Title I Committee for Practitioners. And I want to go back and say that I use the acronym CPAC, that's the Chancellor's Parent Advisory Council, for those who don't know. Um, and Cherie's also on a bunch of committees where she represents parents at a policy level, the Fair Student Funding Task Force, the Community Education Council's 2021 CEC Elections Planning Group, because the elections are going to be really different in 2021 from yes, the way they've been they in previous years. And also, she is on the DOE Comprehensive Education Plan Workgroup. And the CEP, the Comprehensive Education Plan, is really the work of SLTs. So we're definitely going to want to get into that. And we also have with us Naquan McLean. He's the president of the Community Education Council uh, for CEC 16 in Brooklyn, uh, which is in Bed-Stuy. And he's the co-chair of the Education Consultant. Council Consortium, which includes parents and community members who have been elected or appointed to serve on citywide and district community education councils across New York City. Um, so thank you both so much for being here. Um, yes, thank you guys. Why don't we start at the school level with the SLTs and just talk about what their role is and what experience um, you both have had with SLTs um, and how, how you feel about it. Um, good evening. Thank you all for the opportunity. So SLT, school leadership teams, um, is under a commissioner regulation 111. Uh, it is a, a body that functions within a school that is supposed to look at school curriculum, school budgets, really the decision making of the school is supposed to happen around the SLT. The SLT is comprised of the principal, PTA president, um, UFT, which is a federation of um, teachers, chapter leader, and the same amount of deal, um, school staff, you're supposed to have the same amount of parents. So SLTs can go up to, I believe, 17. 17. Um, but most SLTs have about 10 members, normally five staff, and then five uh, parents. Some we are now actually working um, with Central DOE to make sure that the um, Title I rep is a mandatory member of the SLT. That's basically a little bit about SLT Sheree. I'm sure you can add what I missed out. As a, um, yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. Yes, SLTs, I would just expand when I was asked to get involved in parent leadership at my daughter's school. What was said to me is SLTs were the school boards, the old school boards in every school. So we took that as an understanding that decisions about your school budget um, policy, education, culture, everything would be discussed with the SLT. And one of the things I think people need to uh, know about SLTs is they are supposed to come to consensus in their decisions with the principal. They are a consultant body that the principal is supposed to consult 
about decisions about the school and it's not a straight vote. You're all supposed to come to consensus around whatever it is you're discussing or making decisions on. And I always, um, in talking to parent leaders about getting involved, I always say that to them because, you know, the understanding of consensus as a decision making, it's like, it's not majority. It's you all discuss it, you come to an agreement on what is decided, even if that's not necessarily what you want or, what, or if that's not what the principal wants. You all still come to consensus on whatever it is, the policy or idea or initiative that's being put forward. It's okay. interesting that you say that about a policy or initiative being put forward and making a decision, because in my experience, being on an SLT, I don't even remember that ever happening. Um, right. it, have you ever been on an SLT, Cherie, where anyone besides the principal controlled the agenda and a decision was put on the agenda? Um, yes, I have. But also one of the things that I want to make is like the principal doesn't control the SLT agenda. The chair of the SLT is supposed to control the agenda. And anyone from the SLT can put an agenda item to be brought up. The principal submits ideas that they want to consider to the chair and the chair discusses agenda items with the membership, with the parent lead. I mean, not the parent leads, with the whole SLT membership. And so any idea that comes up is supposed to be there. The principal is not supposed to be the chair of the SLT because remember, they the SLT is who the principal consults. So they- right. So you guys kind of function as a check and balance in some sense, am I, am I correct? At that local school level, okay? Yes. All right, Naquan, how about you? Have you experienced, because I know in schools um, where I sat on the SLT once, really, um, and I've also went to SLT meetings because they are supposed to be open to the public um, and CEC members function as advisories to them. But, um, you know, I went to some where the principals were running the meetings and the principals was calling all the shots. Um, and then I went to others where parents sort of, you had a chair, but the chair was really pushing the principal's agenda. Um, and so at times there was a lot of confusion uh, among the group on whether it was choosing programs for the school or what um, art teacher they were gonna hire and, and why they didn't want this particular person or the person they interviewed. So <clears throat> how has your experience Naquan been with the SLT? When, when we, um, when you participated? So I have, I've, I've had different experience with SLTs. I have uh, experience um, SLTs that I have actually been the chair of, and I have experienced SLTs where uh, the principal has been the chair of. I think to Shabrif's point, a lot of folks don't understand the strength and the power of SLTs. And when they function properly, the, the level where it can go. So for instance, in some of the schools I've been to um, and SLTs was nothing but a discussion about, you know, the PTA president will come and just give all the PTA information for the month and talk about events. And it was like a event planning committee. Um, they would wow. talk about what kind of events they're gonna have. Wow. There was nothing, you know, th there was no, no contents of like, the CEP, the budget. Let's talk about how many teachers we need. Let's talk about the curriculum. Let's talk about the type of things that SLTs are supposed to do. But then, and you know, and in another district, 
where I was actually on the uh, CC, um, the, I'm sorry, the SLT, I was able to do those type of things where we that looked is. at the CP and we looked at, you know, the equity around our teaching staff. And we came up with plans and said, you know, we need to diversify our teachers. So let's come right. up with committees. So we did some of that work. Um, and it, it's different, but it all goes to making sure that parents are informed um, of the powers that they have when they sit on these type of committees. Where can people find information on SOTs and, and what they're supposed to do? Because the reality is, I know that the DOE has kind of been the gatekeeper of these things and supposed to train new parents as they come in to understand their role and in a variety of roles, whether it be CECs, SLTs, or PTAs. But I often find that um, when we look across the city at SLTs or CECs, there's a lot of dysfunction, but I don't think that's by accident. And I think sometimes that the powers that be um, in DOE that are, are de designated to support SLTs, PTAs, or CECs, they are constantly working against giving them the power that they need to actually make an impactful change, which in some sense makes sense because if I'm supposed to be your, the person to hold you accountable, the more I know about what to do to hold you accountable, the less you get to do what you wanna do and you have to then answer to me. But if I'm ignorant and don't know what I can hold you accountable to or what I'm supposed to do, then I get to do and wield the, the power and the control of this situation in ways that benefit me that does not necessarily benefit the children or you. And so if I'm a parent who wants to be, who's on the SLT, and maybe I am at one of those dysfunctional SLTs where it is just a, a meeting of events and me talking about how I'm gonna raise money for graduation or the next bake sale. And I really wanna do the work that you're talking about Naquan, which is looking at curriculum, looking on, at the fact that my school may not be diverse, holding my principal accountable to hiring people that actually look like the kids that she is supposed to be educating and representing. Is there a place that parents can go get this information or a group that can support them in better understanding their role to be more impactful in that local level? So I'll start and, I, and Cherie definitely jump in and correct me if I misspeak or please add. Um, so two places, the New York State education department website will give you a lot of information about SLTs because that's where the that's where it comes from that's where the requirement comes from it's a state requirement it's not a DOE requirement also if you look at the chancellor regs around SLTs which I believe is 655 right um, 655 will give you a little bit more guidance around like the local guidance around SLTs but there there the state guidance is uh uh, under the chancellor regulations, 100.11, and then the local guy, commission, I'm sorry, commissioner's regulation, 100.11, and then under the chancellor regulation, 655. Okay. Um, I have a bigger question. When you think about now in the pandemic, how are SLTs supposed to be functioning, right? Because, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. We can't physically meet. Um, there's a lot happening in terms of safety in our school buildings, what you need to do, parents are concerned. Um, and as we know, all these decisions are daily being made about our children's lives in the public school system. Um, and you, you know, often we sit in meetings and we hear DOE Central say, 
oh, parents were engaged or we had parents involved or parents was a part. Um, but if SLTs are not meeting, how do we even know they're meeting and what is the protocol in a pandemic and how do we, how do parents find out that protocol? And is there any accountability system that if you so happen to have a principal who's not following the state law or the chances regs for their SLTs, who is the accountability body that then holds that principal um, accountable um, or that superintendent who may not do their part in holding their, their local principal accountable? Do you guys, can you guys share? SLTs were, are supposed to still be meeting during the pandemic. Um, there were waivers given to other parent leadership structures. SLT was not given a waiver. The only waiver they were giving is that they could meet virtually instead of meeting in person. And so when we slammed into remote learning in March, SLTs should have been uh, convened should have been discussing what our remote learning was going to look like, how was curriculum going to be pivoting, what were the teachers feeling. The only groups consulted was principals talk to teachers, right, because they had to in terms of UFT and then informed parents. And so then you could you give grace because, okay, they had to hustle and get it together for March. You know, you go into April and SLTs are not meeting. May, SLTs are not meeting. And so they were like, well, you're making these decisions and discussing, we're talking about grading policies, we're talking, all these things that were under, are, are under the SLT is not happening. Then you get into June, we got to start talking about reopening and you've got Central stating that SLTs need to be engaged and to be a part of the reopening and talking, but with no mandates or no definites, nothing like that is happening. In March, we were still working on our CEPs for 2021. So if we're not meeting, we're not planning the educational goals for next year, but they wow. were due June. They were due June 30th and some people submitted. So how did you submit if your parents oh, wow. and aren't meeting and kind of things? And so it was kind of like, wait, what is going on? And then the biggest thing was the chance to put out, we're gonna do these reopenings and the plans so SLTs were supposed to do building walkthroughs based on the new guidance, the New York State Ed put down, here's how many kids you can have in a classroom. DOE put out a list based on your enrollment numbers. Here's how much, how many students, percentage of students you have to, your building has to accommodate. So you must have building walkthroughs with your full SLT team to show what rooms will look like, how we reach social distance, et cetera, et cetera. Can we use the cafeteria? Can we use the music rooms or the, the gym, all these different things? How would we get in and out of the building? All these things that you need to discuss around reopening begins with the SLT walking through the buildings to see what this new reality will be. It was communicated from the chancellor first deputy chancellor to the executive soups, to the soups, to the principals. So then why in July are parent leaders meeting with the chancellors, talking to superintendent, exec soups, talking about we have not had any SLT uh, walkthroughs. We haven't even met as an SLT since March. And stuff. So, and then it's like, it's summer. You can't meet, you know, cause SLTs usually don't meet during the summer. And okay. they're like, oh, they're not going to want to meet because we're not going to, they're not going to get paid or, you know, this is not talking to the parents that are actually on it. This is every other voice other than the parents who I, the majority of the parents I know 
without the remuneration, they still would have met during the summer to talk about these issues because this involved their kids. As of, so it's like, fine, yes, we want to know what the buildings were going to look like. We want to, and you had principals who just chose not to engage at all. They did, they began but, their SLT reopening planning without them, or they did with some of the SLT. Okay. Nicole, There's you just going to share? You know, so Tisha Free point, when we talk about the remuneration, what was interesting is that they were given additional money in their budgets to do at least six hours of remuneration over the summer for SLT um, meetings. So three hours for the month of July and three hours for the month of August, there were supposed to be SLT meetings. But to move back a little bit, when we talk about who's responsible, so the principal is ultimately responsible to make sure that SLTs are established, and 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 they're receiving the feedback. When we, um, as a school, do not feel that the SLT is functioning properly, then you're supposed to reach out to your DLT, which is your district leadership team, which is okay. comprised of the same type of folks that are on your SLT, which is you now it's your superintendent, and it's your representative for your principal. So each principal has something called a district rep which is a principal from the district that represent the principals. Then there's also a UFT rep, which is a, 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 a teacher from the district that represent all the teachers. Then on that committee, you also have your um, president of what you call president's council. And Sharif can give some information back on president's council. And then you have your CECs that are not a mandatory member of um, the DLTs, but most DLTs have written them into their bylaws because it just makes sense. And then you have your... Um, Title I um, parent rep, your DPAC rep, and you have your DC 37 rep on, on your DLT. And your DLT is actually supposed to give support to school SLTs that need support. And isn't someone from the state on that? Because when I was the CEC president in District 5, my so DLT was a circus, but in, in any event, the state person I often who came, I often asked her, well, is there possible you can take this DLT, this uh, district education plan that we're putting together, the DEP, and can we share it with the community? And she would often say it's not ready, it can't be shared. And, um, you know, it wasn't a lot of understanding around mm -hmm. it. And I just became so frustrated. I will own up to the fact that I just sort of walked away from the table and, and, and allocated somebody else to go to those meetings. But, you know, when you talk about the DLT and in the event that the DLT doesn't work, right? Because a lot of times these relationships are entrenched, whether it be the principal and the superintendent, because the principal is the superintendent person that she hired. So, you know, they're going to have a total different race relationship than me, the parent. So when you're having those problems at your particular school, right, where you don't have a principal who is doing this process the right way and the, the SLT is dysfunctional, if you, if you don't get any traction at your superintendent level, is there another place I can go to get some some question, you know, and are these things open to the public? I know the DLT, I don't think it's open to the public, if, I, if I'm correct, right? No, it's not. That That is the fight that we're having now. According to the D Department of Education, SLTs are subject to open meetings law and DLTs are not. If we look at the guidance that they put out in, 2000, in um, April of 2020, 
um, it says that although they they're legal, something I'm I'm, I'm paraphrasing, uh, but although their legal um, definitions that DLTs are not open to the public, they encourage superintendents to invite people to the uh, allow allow the public in the DLT meetings. The SLT is part of the state law. Is the DLT also part of the state law, or is that something that's set up by the DOE? DLTs by New York State Ed have to submit a DCEP. You know, so they have right. to do a uh, district uh, comprehensive education. education plan. And I'm there sure is a person from the state that sits. So it's not a person. That so, person. so that's what I was about to that's say tonight. That that person that you're talking about, they name the titles actually just changed, but they're actually a representative of the DOE. They just oh, work okay. with. They just the work state. with the state office, so they are called. Oh, you're talking about what used to be the uh, Sedels. Sedels. But are now are now the directors um, of something. Their titles just got changed. But okay. the Sedels are. They just added another alphabet suit to us for <laughs> for that one. So yes. that that rep that person that you're talking about tonight is um, well, it's the person that is from Central. Right. Okay. That yeah. that, that takes the feedback and and helps uh work with the 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 district on the D, um, DEP to submit to the state. But okay. you talked, um, as Sheree looking for that, you talked about who's then responsible if the superintendent is, right. is if DOTs and SLTs, then it's now the executive superintendent responsibility to make oh, sure okay. that those, um, those bodies are functioning because the executive superintendent actually is under the supervision of the first deputy chancellor, which all of these school structures all fall under that office. Okay. But you know, one of the complexities I have with all of this is that we're now asking people to manage structures that hold them accountable, which goes back to the whole issue around mayoral control and how, you know, when you look at the history of it, the whole purpose of mayoral control was fundamentally, fundamentally to create some sort of accountability structures. Right. And so that people could be held accountable. But when we really look at it, me expecting the superintendent to hold a principal she hired accountable or the executive superintendent who may have been working alongside the superintendent to be held accountable when these things are dysfunctional at the local level where our children are, are mostly affected. It has just been a circus in that. Right. The fact that SLTs are open to the public, but DLTs are encouraged where human beings are possible. I can say, well, it's just an encouragement. That doesn't mean I have to do it, right? And so because I don't have to do it, you're gonna have superintendents who don't do it, right? And so once again, parents and community is sort of edged out and you have people who are put in positions in power who are making really important decisions about our children's education and future. And parents' voices are kind of drowned out and silenced. And so, you know, the whole purpose of tonight is not only to look at these structures, but really talk about how parents can really take their power the power back or begin to think about how do we get our power back? How do we get to a place where we can actually make a difference? Because I think about this um, article I read about mayoral control and how 
as much as it's there to be account to bring accountability, it's more it has worked more to disenfranchise and marginalize parents, um, and silence their voices, them and teachers' voices and students' voices, than it is to actually give accountability. And so, um, when you think about the SLTs or even CECs, you know, do you guys have any idea of how parents? whether they sit on CPAC, um, which is the Chancellor's Parent Advisory Group, or CECs, which is the Community Education Council, which is a part of state law, or SLTs. How can these parents who are, are, are in these places, when we're in the middle of a pandemic, you know, we have principals and teachers um, coming out saying that schools are not safe. You have teachers wanting to strike. You have parent bodies who are saying mayoral control has to go, H how do we kind of come together in some sense, kind of get a, a pathway to kind of bringing that power back to where it belongs, which is with parents in the local communities, making decisions about our children's education. And what are your thoughts about that? So, you know, I am a big proponent of having community control. I believe that community knows what's best for them. I believe in bottom-up management. Uh, a lot of things that we have done in my community when it come around uh, decisions around schools and school closures and openings was us coming up with ideas and taking it to Central before Central came to, with ideas to us. What we've seen around this school reopening, uh, Cherie talked about the SLT meetings and the walkthroughs that were supposed to happen. Um, and what we've seen is that this has happened before the pandemic. This type of behaviors uh, was happening before the pandemic. What the pandemic has done has shined a spotlight on the um, mispractices of, of, of the system. And what we are saying at this point is that mayoral control do not work. One person ultimately being responsible for a system with 1.1 million students do not work. No, it doesn't. So I, I don't have the magic bullet of what would work. But what we, um, as another organization that I'm a part of, have said um, since last year when we went up to Albany to advocate is we call on the legislators to put together a commission to look at school governance in the city of New York. Yes. Because yes. we believe that if we bring all voices together, we will be able to come up with a system that will work and benefit all. So CCs, as you said, they're supposed to be the watchdog of the Department of Education, but they pay our, our administrative assistant budgets come from there. Our budgets come from there. When we need something, we have to go through them to get it. So how much authority are we when we have to go to the same people that we're supposed to be the checks and balances? That's and what they're, I said. They're, they're writing our checks. When you speak up to that, then the parents who speak against the things that they do that are wrong, all the things you need is in, uh, immediately taken away or limited, or you get a dance around how you're going to get the information to help you do your job. Right, whether it be on the SLT or CEC. Anna, you was going to okay. say something? Yeah, Naquan or Cherie, do you think that if we could get like 100 parents to show up to every CEC meeting or even 
10 parents coming to an SLT meeting. Do you think that if we could get more parents showing up for the current system that we have, that it could function? Or do you think it's too far gone? Absolutely, yes. But the one caveat, no, no shade to CECs. If I could get 100 parents coming to the SLT meeting and being in that SLT, because when parents come to the SLT, the SLT meeting is open to anybody in community to come. But parents, if parents came, you're not allowed to talk. You can observe, right? Because the SLT, but most SLTs have an opportunity in the agenda for comments, for things to be brought up or issues. If people came to the meeting and listened to how their leaders, their school admin made decisions on what they talked about, so that would impact them. Because there are certain SLTs that I've gone to as a guest, as parents have asked me to come in, parent leaders have asked me to come in and listen to them, that when I walk in as District 29 President's Council, or when I was CPAC co-chair and principals knew that, the conversation was very different. You know, mm -hmm. I've been to other districts that are uh, more affluent, and their SLTs, the way they ran, I was like, whoa, wait a minute. You know, they were in charge. Their SLT meeting was full of a lot of people. So if you had 100, if I had to, 100, if they come to SLT, the conversation would be different. Because then the principals would say, wow, I really have this engaged parent or community, as well as, you know, I can't, I got to be careful about how I say things or they, because whatever says in the SLT is open to everyone else. And then I would additionally add, yeah, come to the Community Education Council meetings because they're talking about education policy on a district level. And so, so sometimes when you see these districts have great test scores and, you know, or middle line test scores and they, they're happy when they go up a couple of percentages, I'm always sitting in the meeting like, can we discuss how we can jump 10 percentage points, not just a one or a two? Like how is a community, can we jump? What's the discussion about curriculum? Is it, and they're always like, where do we discuss that? SLT here, Community Education Council. So if we're getting parents involved in these meetings, just coming to hear, as well as demanding more. If you go to an SLT meeting and you don't like the conversation, if it's all about event planning and you all, the simple question is, aren't you guys supposed to be working on your CEP goals? What is our goal as an education community? Someone has to answer that. The SLT has to answer that. And right. so then that changes the whole discussion because if you're not discussing that, you're not working on that, then we don't, what are you submitting for group? Gotcha. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, when you think about this whole thing with mayoral control. I, I mean, my question to Naquan, um, do you think the way our current system is and the way it's ran, do you think, you know, oftentimes I'd say, I feel like this is not an accident. It is not an accident that SLTs are dysfunctional across the city. It's not an accident that CECs are struggling to get members or function. Um, and it appears as I you know, looked at some of the more affluent schools, a lot of times I find that the ones, or it appears that the, one, the SLTs that are functioning well, that are doing the things you're talking about, are the ones where you see those PTAs are raising millions of dollars and they're actually using that revenue that they bring into the building to hold the power to direct the, the functioning of that school. But in communities like mine in District 5 and uh, across the district where we don't have um, 
PTAs or SLTs that are functioning well. Some of them do, and then some are just not. You know, the principals are leading those schools and making, they don't even see the budget. Let's more know what curriculums or programs are happening. Um, how do we begin to work with those, those um, schools to begin to find a way to bring voice to their concerns in the building? Do you guys have any idea? Or how do we, you know, as mayoral control, I think it comes up next year, right? Next year or the year after where they have to make a decision about it again. Um, 2022. Right, 2022. Um, how do we begin to get people educated about it, understanding how it is affecting them as parent leaders so that we can begin to bring voice to, to, to do this thing you're talking about, coming together as a community to say, what's the new structure? Because mayoral control is not working. Because we all know it's not working. So two parts. The first part to answer the DLT question, DLT is a state requirement under commissioner's um, section uh, 111, 100.11. Um, and then to uh, the point to what you're asking, Sanaya, is I think one of the things we need to do is have CCs and President's Council. We often forget about President's Council, but President's Council should be working hand in hand with CECs because President's Councils are all the C, all the presidents of the PTAs within the district. And, okay. you know, we often talk about the citywide level. So you talk about CPAC or you talk about the ECC, but I'm talking about the local. One of the mandates um, under the chancellor regulation is that CECs and president's council are supposed to meet quarterly. And if we were having those quarterly meetings and we had CC members that were going to PTA meetings and we had um, president's council members that was making sure that they were going to the CEC meetings and we come together as parents, I think for years we have fought over who has the power and who has the say and who's more important. We all are important. And we have been distracted yes. by trying to figure out who has the power and the D Department of Education has been allowed to do whatever they want to do because we've been so busy trying to make sure the other one don't have the upper hand. It is or so titles. When we come or fighting yeah. for titles and nobody's doing anything. You know. It's, it's when we come together as parents first. Right. Push I got it. The items that we want to see. As you said, the CC election mayoral control, all of that stuff is going to look different in 2021, 2022. And we need to make sure that people are informed about what their rights are as a parent first. Right. And that's going to come by us coming together as parents and then parent leaders to inform so you, each other. So do you think it's, it is a CEC job or these parent leaders when we think about SLTs or PTA presidents or, or president's council, right? Do you think it's their responsibility to, to start working on ways to give parents the information? Because I don't believe that the Department of Education is going to do that. They're not going to give us and empower us to, to hold them accountable. And that would that in in any sense that would be a, that would be foolish if I'm a person and I'm doing what I want to do. So I mean I hear what you're saying, Aquan. Yes, we as parents we all matter. Yes, we all should work together. 
But the reality is we know that there are parent leaders across the city that are not working in conjunction with what you're talking about. You and Cherie are rare among parent leaders. There are some parent leaders that are going with the status quo, that are holding on to a title and position, and they're going along with whatever deal we do. So how are we going to educate? Because I just think about the CEC elections coming up. Every parent will get a vote. But if they don't understand who they're voting for, what they're voting for, or how to vote, or what they should be doing, or how they're going to hold this person that they vote for accountable, we know DOE is not going to give that information. We know that they, they didn't even want to hire a, a company to run the elections, less more help the people who's going to run get in office to make a substantial change. And so... You know, I think about the SLTs, I think about the PTAs, I think about the whole notion of them being open. We're in the middle of a pandemic. We don't know what in the world has happened in those buildings, right? We don't even know if people, if there were even walkthroughs through all the buildings and if any parent was a part of any decision making. And which leads me into, I know that in your district, you guys are currently in the process of filing a lawsuit to get the information um, can you talk a little bit about how you guys came up with that idea and what's the purpose of it and how are you using that in the goal to, to make some sort of impactful change in your district? So under New York State law um, 2590E, the CCs are required to liaison with SLT. That is one of our responsibilities. So in our district, one of the things that we asked to do was we were going to put out a statement on the school reopening. But before we put out a statement on the school reopening, we wanted to hear what happened at the SLT meetings. We know what happened at the CEC meetings because people came, they talked about it, they, they voiced their opinions, they voiced their concerns that we heard. But we were, not, we were not aware when SLT meetings were happening in our schools, so we couldn't go. So we wanted to figure out what parents, what staff were saying in these meetings before we actually put out a statement for or against the reopening of schools. So we request the information um, from the, the, the schools and got pushback. Wow. So after we got pushback from getting the information, because one of the requirements under the executive order to allow SLTs to function remotely was that all meetings had to be recorded and then transcribed with minutes. And we requested all of that. We wanted the recording, we wanted the minutes, and we wanted the transcription because my thing was, you could tell me anybody was at the meeting because it's virtual and there's no signatures. You can tell right. me, but if I see <laughs> right. a recording, a recording will tell me who's there, what was said and everything. Right. So we, right. Began, we received pushback. After we received pushback, we hired a retained a lawyer. The CC voted to retain a lawyer and the lawyer sent in a for you request. We sent a reform request. A couple of days later, we received a response and they wanted to give us the information by the 28th of September. Now this is back in August. We informed them that the 28th of September was too late for us to get this information because right. school was supposed to open on September the 10th. Right. So we began <laughs> to get the runarounds. They pushed school back. So we're now in the process of, of filing a lawsuit around transparency to get the recordings of all the SLT meetings from April to current to see what kinds of discussions 
was happening, what walkthroughs happened. They talked about ordering PPE. We want to see what PPE was ordered. You, you bought sprayers. We want to see the sprayer receipt. We want all the information. Every, every time they said they did something, we're going to fall you for it. We want to see what they've done or what they said they've done. Wow. That's powerful. That, that is a great example of how parents can use the position that they in on the CEC or even SLT to question, right? That's accountability. And very often when you do that, you do get pushback, but I think that's important. I mean, Anna, I don't know what you think about what was said. I mean, that's powerful to hear that, you know, a school, a group of parents is really gonna hold them accountable. And it's important because we're in the middle of a pandemic. Our children's lives are at stake. Right. And so to do that is important. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I just want to have Naquan back in two months to find out what kind of pushback he got and if he got yes. information and how he was able to use it. But we're in the I mean, we had our CEC meeting last week and there was a lot of we did this and we did that. And oh, yeah, we'll send you an email and follow up with the details. So I I, I strongly relate to to that idea. And I wish um, I, I wish I could know Naquan what other parents could do to support you when you get pushed back for what, what you're fighting for? I think one of the things that I encourage, I encourage every CEC in the city of New York to for you for the information. And for listeners who may not know, a FOIL is a freedom of information law request. Okay. I, I encourage every president, it does not have to be a CEC, a president's council, an individual parent, a school leadership team member, a parent at a school, for if ask for the information nicely first. And if they don't <laughs> give it to you, foil them for it. It is public information. Can, can you share with us the letter that the, the FOIA Absolutely. request that you sent in? And we'll put that yes. on our website for people yes. to be able to use that as a model. Yep, a model. Yeah. I'll send you the for you request. I'll send you the response that the DOE gave. Well, this was a very interesting conversation. We went a little longer than normal. I really want to thank Laquan and Sharif for coming out and sharing with us. You know, we here at Wake Up To What Matters is exactly that. We want people to wake up to the things that matters. And SLTs and DLTs, mayoral control and CECs and the PEP and all these things are bodies that matter because they're making really important decisions about our children's lives um, and oftentimes we are not a part of the conversation. Um, and it's important that parents understand that at the end of the day, our children do not get a do-over. These leaders get to make decisions that disenfranchise our children, that stifles their education process, that puts them in, in equitable situations. And my son is only gonna do third grade one time. And so when you mess it up, those gaps, that you create, those deficits that you create by your poor choices and bad actions can be detrimental to them as a young man, as a young woman in the world. And so it is parents like you who are out here fighting, using your voice, using the things that you have and really making those positions work. What I really wanna get across is that oftentimes we run for these seats and we want the title of president, or we want the title of SLT member. 
And at the end of the day, we're not using the power that goes with those seats to make an impactful change for the kids. And so, you know, I thank you guys for, for the work that you do. I thank you for being role models and examples to other parent leaders um, and really talking about the issues that matter in the city. And I hope that you guys will come back um, in the near future and share with us all the great things you do. Is there any last thoughts you guys would like to share with the community or parents as we close out? Well, I, I'll say that I'd love to come back, me and Cherie. I'm going to bring her. She's going to come too to talk about, <laughs> to talk about Title I. Because Woo, we both okay. are New York State Title One, uh, and I was a Title One rep before, and I think Anna was too. So this okay. would be great. Don't even get me started, Title One. <laughs> I wasn't a Title One rep; I was a Title One chairperson. Oh, okay, okay. They changed Whatever. the law. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so we we'll do an episode for that. <laughs> yeah. The only thing I would like to say is, in terms of now that RPAs and PTAs are in the the midst of doing electing leadership and electing SLT parent members this month. So please, if you have an interest or didn't get involved with your PTA, go to the meetings, go to the election. If you are considering, uh, maybe not, maybe not, please go ahead and do it and run for SLT parent members so we can actually get our, our our SLTs balanced again with parent and teacher staff and get them moving forward from there. This is the time. This pandemic allowed it to come into the fall. So you've got new parents who are entering schools that this is an opportunity for you to get involved in parent leadership. So please take advantage of it. Yes. And I do know that there are um, outside of the Department of Education training you, giving you information the ECC, which is the Education Com Community Consortium, they actually have trainings too. And they are parent leaders. They're going to give it to you straight. They're going to give you the information. Please attend your CEC meetings um, and get involved because until we get parents involved, we will continue to see the issues that we see within the school system. So I thank you guys tonight. Um, thank you, Anna, for everything. You want to share the information on our website? Yes, please visit our website. It's wakeuptowhatmatters.blogspot.com and uh, subscribe. Uh, send us an email. Let us know what you're thinking. Um, you can email us at wakeuptowhatmatters at gmail.com. Yes, thank you. Have a blessed night, everyone. Good night.